Hello, welcome to the play, Rods. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I almost said I'm Will. Yeah. I'm Sarah. I'm Will. And this is a little podcast about big plays. Wow. <laughs> where did this? Where did these these voices come from? I don't know, but I'm putting a stop to them. I uh, would hope so. This oh, is ridiculous. He's still going. No, my name's not Will. It's Edward. Edward Alby? That's me. Is that oh, what he wow. Like? Um, I don't think so. But was he American? He was American. Well, there we go. See, I don't know anything about him. How are you today? Um, my name's Edward. Oh. <laughs> Let me start right. over. No. Okay. Um <laughs> <coughs> Great, I'm doing well. It's a lovely, magical, snowy time, aka the snow is still clean, so it looks pretty. Yeah. Um, and I'm not playing or standing in it or having to be outside, so I don't mind it. How do you like playing in the snow? I mean, I, like, were you a snow baby as a child? Did you like being I out in the snow? I was not. Um, no. We would get, like, dressed up. It would take, like, half an hour to oh my get gosh, all of us so in, long. our snowsuits, whatever. And then we'd be outside for, like, ten minutes. And we're like, can we go back inside? I basically went outside for the hot cocoa when I come back in. There you go. You know? Yeah. And you're drinking some hot cocoa right now. I know. And I don't even have to play outside. That's the nice thing about being an adult. You can just make hot cocoa whenever you want. Yeah. Where would you guys go sledding? Um, Down, like, our big hill. In the street? Yeah. That's awful dangerous. <laughs> you know. go so fast down that thing. It was a slow neighborhood. Well, sure. You live in a cul-de-sac. Right. So. I don't know. We would you start like midway through the hill. I was going to say, like, you get up some speed. Yeah. You would like, you could, you could very seriously hurt yourself. I think one of the boys did it like once. From the very top. Yeah. And he like almost crashed into a home. Well, so. yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you'd, like, go over the curb and just, like... Yeah. Crazy. And we just had, like, plastic sleds. Yeah. It wasn't, like, yeah. cool wooden ones. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. The cool wooden ones. Yeah. I think at one point we were, like, surfing on lids. I don't even know. Like, in It's a Wonderful Life, they're, they're, they're sledding on shovels? Yeah. There was something like that. Nice. nice. Those were the days. But I did love my snow, like, fit. I had, like, a purple one. Nice. It was cute. Did you have the, like, the overalls? Yeah. Yeah, so did we. Yeah. It would have been hated, perfect for skiing. Them. Yeah. If, I ever if went. My, yeah, if my parents had ever taken me skiing. Oh. Well, my parents were like, you guys are all klutzes, so why would we take you skiing? You guys sure. would inevitably break something. Yeah. And I was like, I love how little hope you have, but honestly, I do get it. <laughs> that is, yeah. I'm I right. break like I broke like multiple bones in my youth. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, Clav- clavicle. Yeah. Uh, collarbone. Yeah. Which is weird because like I feel like it'd be a hard bone to break, but I've broken it no. multiple times. Yeah, it's not, people and a lot it. of people like yeah, people break, break it. it. Yeah. That's a thing. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Just okay. I loved. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, today on this on this beautiful Sunday, just like I don't know, I like spending it with you. You know, as we Aww. as we sit and we do our third pod of the year of the 
in a row. Like I'm like three, very proud of us. Three weeks in a row. What has gotten into us? I know. I don't know. I feel like we finally kind of found like our groove in life. And it's taken. Where it's not like a the the time. weekends are just not like any, they're not like just like us like like recovering from the week. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Like we we have kind of a routine that's been very good. Like Saturdays are very chill, and then Sundays yeah. we we pod. Work. Yeah. Um. Well, great. Well, what play are we talking about today, William? Um, you should. It's it's who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yes. Actually, sorry. No, that's not the title of the play. I was just asking, like, who is afraid? I'm, after watching that, I'm very afraid of Virginia Woolf. That is, that is the play title, actually. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by Edward Albee? That is. Who was with us earlier in the podcast. I remember. He left. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone now. (laughs) Um, Gosh, see ya, Ed. (laughs) That wild intro. Even though he died in 2016, but. Wow, okay. that recently. Yeah, he died like okay, I, I was in remember, college. I had not remembered that. It was like kind of tragic. You know, I was like a theater major and I saw it in an article and I was like, oh, I know that name. I'm studying him and he died. It was like when Sam Shepard died. Yeah, which was always also when I was in college. What'd you do? Kill a bunch of playwrights? I guess so. Some classic American playwrights just up and. Stephen Sondheim recently passed. Mm hmm. I was not in college when that happened, though. No, no. Yeah. Didn't Neil Simon pass very recently as well? He did. Yeah. But I think I was in grad school. Yeah. I don't know exactly when he died. Anyways, um, instead of talking about his death... Should you talk about his life? I think we should. Edward, get back in here. Oh, hey, I'd love to talk about my life. Oh, fuck. Just kidding. Sarah's going to do it for me. I'm going to leave again. Bye. Thanks, Edward, for trusting me with that. Um, Great. So, Edward was born in 1928, and within, like, the week he was adopted. Um, oh. Yeah. So, okay. his, like, stepdad owned a major, or, like, whatever, his dad. His adoptive father. His adoptive father. Uh, yeah, I guess not stepdad, sorry. Uh, his adopted father owned a majority of the vaudeville circuit. Um, but he had, like, a lot of conflicts with his parents at a young age. He was expelled from high school. He was expelled from military and Trinity Whoa. College. For what? Um, Doesn't say. I think just being, like... Just being an all-around nuisance. He just thought he was, like, kind of above it all. He does seem... He strikes me as uh, anti-establishment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he went out on his own when he was, like, 18, he, and he was like, I refuse to become a cultural thug. So they didn't support, like, his writing. They wanted him to be a certain way. Um, so when he went out on his own, he lived in Greenwich Village. And it had, like, a very, like, boho vibe at the Definitely. time. yeah. So they were, like, very accepting of him. He kind of, like, found his path and found that support for his writing there. Um, and so... He's remembered as a playwright for his well-crafted and accurate depictions and unsympathetic explanations of American domestic life. Um, he's known for, like, his absurd, absurd plays that are also, like, kind of realistic, tragicomic. He combines, like, a lot of genres in, like, his own unique way. Like, truly, when you watch, like, something... Edward Albee wrote like you know it's Albee because it is like its own form um 
which is pretty cool, but also, like, very startling. Um, he also wrote, like, The Goat or Who is Sylvia, and it's about, like, the unthinkable. It's, um, like, the origin of, like, the new kind of tragedies. Like, it's kind of like a Greek tragedy, but, like, Americanized. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So, like, with, like, Oedipus, the yeah. unthinkable happens at the end when they discover the truth. Right. And the and goat is much, is, is, is a little bit the same where it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of styled like that, modernized. Um, and, and, like, like and, like, buried child. Sam Shepard, I think, owes mm-hmm. a lot to Albie. Yeah. Especially buried child. Oh, my gosh. Fairy Child is brutal. We're going to have to cover that one. Yeah. Um, but he's also known for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which we'll talk about a little more in a second, um, for its, like, wicked humor. He invent- reinvented the post-war drama in America um, through, like, the zoo story and the American dream. Um, I've seen the American dream. Really? Yeah. Uh, Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. Where do you see it that? Was, it was... Um, Oh gosh, my sophomore year at Benedictine, it was part of the one act. Oh, uh, the student directed one act. Oh yes, yes, yes. And you thought Emily was like incredible in it. Is sure. that her name? Millie. Millie. Sorry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Millie. Yikes. Um. Uh yeah, no, she was really good. Well, yeah. they did two Albie ones. They did the Sandbox and the American Dream. Okay, the Sandbox. She was incredible in, right? She played the grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember talking about. Oh okay. Um. And then he also wrote Three Tall Women and Seascape are some of his, like, bigger ones. And he wrote a libretto for a failed musical of Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is kind of funny. Really? Um, yeah. It was truly failed because we've never heard of it. I but, was going to say. Yeah. Also outside his wheelhouse, I would say. Right. Also, I just want to give a shout out that these are my notes from undergrad at Benedictine College. So shout out to... Being a theater nerd from a for a long time, these are probably circa mm, 2015 notes. Um, I have not kept a single note from undergrad. I like, have like a whole box of I'm, them, and I'm like really like I should have. Yeah, well, I, I, I loved my... my theater notes. I was like very organized about theater history and such a dork yeah. about it. So yeah, I I really should have kept more. I didn't keep hardly any from grad school and I have huge regrets about that but a lot of it was like class discussion and like in the moment like work and so sure. it wasn't as like lecture based um so I get it but also I have some regrets you know my yeah sure my notes from undergrad would have been like very incomplete because I would I would space off a lot in class well and also you would write in like five different notebooks for like one class I know it was terrible. I yeah. was terribly disorganized. Yeah. <laughs> and like some, I would type them. It some was like charming. Some classes I would type them. Some yeah. classes I would. It was stressful for me. Oh gosh, I uh, yeah. It was too much. I mean, it was stressful for me too because I was like, "How come I can't take better notes?" Yeah. And it was like all I don't know. It's okay. My attention span is not very good. You're. I feel like you're. You've gotten better with age, like a fine wine. Thank you. At that. Thank you. Um. But I'm going to talk a little more about Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, like, uh, when it first kind of premiered and uh, what happened with it. So it's his most iconic play, and it opened on Broadway at the Billy Rose Theater on October 13th, 1962, 
and closed on May 16, 1964, after five previews and 664 performances. Oh, okay. I thought it used to... Five previews. Sorry. Five previews. Oh, yeah. Within two years. No, 664 performances. Got it, got it, got it. Um, The controversial play won the Tony Award for Best Play in 1963 and was selected for the 1963 Pulitzer Prize by the awards drama jury, but the selection was overruled by the Mm. advisory committee, which elected not to give the drama award at all. Two members of the jury... Yeah, they didn't give one out. They must have been afraid of Virginia Woolf. Ayo. Two members of the jury, John Mason Brown and John Gassner, subsequently resigned in protest to this decision. So people. So rather than give it to Virginia Woolf, they just didn't give it at at all. all. Yeah, and they had people like really mad about it. Crazy. Yeah. Um. So then there was an Academy Award-winning film adaptation released in 1966, which is what we watched, starring Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, George Siegel, and Sandy Dennis. And shout out to Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, who were also in Cleopatra and had like a very like toxic relationship off screen, but like very obsessed with each other, but kind of crazy. Listen to even the rich podcast about that. Very interesting stuff. Nice. And you definitely see that come across on screen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Holy cow. In 2013, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry at the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So it will be preserved. You know, it's a great... It's it's the end of time. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. It should be. It's really good. It is really good. And it's like... But it's like also like such an interesting... Like, like if I saw that on stage, I wouldn't be like, wow, this would be a great movie. You know, it's like, it's it's not exactly popcorn entertainment. No, it kind of reads like... It's pretty heavy. I will talk more about this, but it reads more as a play, in, even on film. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But when we look back at, like, Albie's career, there's this English professor uh, from Georgia State University, Matthew Rodane, who divided, like, his plays into three periods... The early plays that were written from 1959 to 1966, those are characterized by gladiatorial confrontations, bloodied action, and fight to a metaphorical death. The middle plays, 1971 through 1987, and that was when Albie lost favor of Broadway audiences and started premiering in the U.S., regional theaters, and in Europe. And then the later plays, 1991 to 2016, where he had like a remarkable comeback and watched the appreciative audiences and critics. Oh, and he like won the critics of the world over. So he really went through like whoa. kind of finding himself. And then everyone was like, whoa, this is too weird. No. Okay. We don't like you. And then they like him again through his like later works. What is an example of what's his, what I can't think of like a re- more recent play that he wrote, like in the 2000s. Um, well, The Goat or Who is Sylvia was written in 2000. Get out. Yeah. Whoa, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and this play, uh, Who's Afraid of, was in like 1962. So that was kind of the height of when everyone was like obsessed and they were kind of into it. But then you get like Seascape, you get a uh, marriage play, Three Tall Women, and kind of lost trust in that. But then when he came back with The Goat or Who is Sylvia. Okay. Yeah. 
It kind of won people great. over. Great. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. And he like, because usually it's like playwrights die and then they're appreciated, you know, but he got to kind of live through his appreciation period sure. all over again. Um, so according to the New York Times, Albie was wildly consider- widely considered to be the foremost American playwright of his generation. The less-than-diligent student later dedicated much of his time to promoting American University Theater. He served as a distinguished professor at the University of Houston, where he taught playwriting. His plays are published by Dramatist Play Service and Samuel French. Um, as far as, like, legacy and, like, awards go, um, he was a member of the Dramatist Guild Council, and he received three Pulitzer Prizes for Drama, A Delicate Balance, Seascape, and Three Tall Women. Would have had four if they gave it to Gosh him. Gosh dang or, it. Um, you know, who's afraid? Virginia Woolf. Which they should have. Um, he was elected a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences in 1972. In 1985, Albie was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame. In 1999, Albie received the Penn Laura Pell's Theater Award at the Master of American Dramatist. He also received a special Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in 2005. Um, so, and a bunch of other awards on top of that, but in 2008, on his 80th birthday, a number of his plays were mounted in the distinguished off-Broadway venues, including the historic Cherry Lane Theaters, where the playwright directed two of his early one acts, The American Dream and The Sandbox. Okay. So, a little bit sentimental. Um, and Albie established, uh, a foundation for playwrights called the Edward F. Albie Foundation, Inc., um, in 1967, from the royalties of his play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? So he used that money he made. He created this foundation that funds the William Flanagan Memorial Creative Persons Center, um, named after the composer William Flanagan, but better known as The Barn. Um, and it's what? in, <laughs> I don't know, that was his the nickname, person, I guess. The person's named The Barn? Yeah. Um, and it's in Montauk. New York as a residence for writers and visual artists. The foundation's mission is to serve writers and visual artists from all walks of life by providing time and space in which to work without disturbance. So I just love that he, uh, you know, he didn't like feel supported in his youth. And so it's like, you know, he became successful and then remembered kind of like wanting to give that support back that maybe he didn't feel as much like, Full circle. Yeah, I don't know. Full circle. I think that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But that's our boy Albie. In a nutshell. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie Albie. Eddie Edward Franklin Albie the third. Thanks, thanks for giving me such a great biography. You're welcome. I wonder what he actually sounded like. (laughs) You know, he was kind of cute. Really, I've not. Literally, I couldn't pick him out of a crowd. I mean, I don't think I could. I yeah, I've looked at his picture a couple times. If I (laughs) put. I couldn't pick him out of a crowd of other playwrights no. from America. No, no, no. Yeah, that should be a game we should play at some point. Well, like, like, what are they? Like, really what are these famous playwrights? Like, like I trying mean, to like, pair them. Okay, here we go. I'm looking at a picture of him now. Whoa, that is not what I envisioned. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. That picture was a good picture of him. Yeah. Oh, that's not okay. All right, I'm going to stop. Okay, <laughs> um, you might be wondering, who is Virginia Woolf? I was wondering the same thing. And so I did a little research on Virginia Woolf. 
And guess what? What? She's a real person. What? I know. I actually, me and my, in my infinite wisdom, thought that she wasn't a real person. Is she like, like a poet? Yeah. Really? So, well, and a writer. And she was one of the <gasps> first modernist 20th century authors and a pioneer in using stream of consciousness writing. So meaning like her characters are just like spilling out all their thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a couple of things that she is known for, her notable works, and she lived, gosh, when did she, was she born? She was born 1882. in 1882. Great. She died in 1941. Gone too soon. Anyway, uh, I've never heard of any of these works, but maybe you have. I think I have. Her notable works, according to Wikipedia, are Mrs. Dalloway, To the Lighthouse, Orlando, A Room of One's Own, and The Waves. Among others. Um, so that's Virginia Woolf. And so the idea that, like, the, these characters in the play, they, they talk about, like, this thing at a party they were at. And they were like, oh, yeah, we were singing this song. And they were, like, making fun of the, the big, like, who's afraid of the big bad wolf, the big bad wolf. Anyway. Oh, I didn't they, recognize that song. Yeah. Uh, is that a song? Yeah, it is a song. Like, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? You know, what's that? What's that fairy tale? Is that three little pigs? Is that Peter and the wolf? No, that's Little Red Riding Hood. Who's okay? Okay, who's the big bad? Wolf? The big bad wolf, right? Eats her in the woods or something. Well, there's a big bad wolf and three little pigs as well. Hmm. And Peter and the wolf, but that's Peter and the wolf is. Uh, it's a symphony, isn't it? This is getting complicated. I know. Anyway, there's lots of wolves. <laughs> and so the idea that, like, are you afraid of Virginia Woolf is, like, are you afraid of, like, your own thoughts? Are you afraid mm. of being vulnerable? Are you afraid of... Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You know, and, and these characters in this play are certainly afraid of those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Um... Virginia Woolf, or this play, is also a commentary and a um, a a response to the a lot of the popular art of the time, where you're they're depicting like the perfect American family. Edward Albee did this also in the American Dream, mm. um, uh, where he 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 pulls apart the American family. He's like, look. Everybody's pretending to be perfect. You know, you've got Leave It to Beaver. You've got I Love Lucy. You've got, well, I don't know if that's the best example. But especially Leave It to Beaver and other sitcoms where you've got the perfect American family or whatever. And Albie kind of is like, that's not what it's really like. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of his work is is, is reflective of that. Um, great. Should we talk about the play? I think... We should talk about the play. Should we tr- attempt to summarize this this behemoth? I mean, like the. I mean, it's like the the, the general. Story, the general gist of it is pretty easy. Yeah, it's kind of similar. I mean, like they're at this. Uh, George and Martha are married. They're in their forties. George and Martha. You might have heard be like, oh, George and Martha Washington. Uh, no, actually, not George Washington, Martha Washington, but definitely he did that on purpose. Right. Because it's, oh, to, the founders of America, kind right, of. You know? Right, right. Yeah. like you would expect George and Martha. To be all perfect and... Exactly, exactly. You know. 
Um, so Martha is the daughter of like a university president, and George works at the university as a professor. And uh, probably in their forties, fifties, yeah, maybe forties, fifties, definitely alcoholics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're coming home from this cocktail party. Yeah, and they and at late. the party she met. Uh, they both met this younger couple. And it's a biologist uh, professor that just joined the university whose name is Nick and his wife's name is Honey. And And they never say Nick's name in the play. No. I don't know if that's significant. I feel like it is. Well, like, and then Honey means... It's, like, not uh, abundantly clear. Is that her real name or is it just, like... just what he calls her? Belittling phrasing, you know? Yeah. Um, So... Martha invites them over. George doesn't know until, like, two minutes before they come over as soon as they're getting home. And it's, like, really late. It's, like, Like, two in the morning. What I call this play is I've had a phrase in my life after a certain point where it was, like, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what this play is. It's, like, it's after 2 a.m. Nothing good happens after 10 (laughs) p.m. Yeah. I know. It's getting, like, early and earlier as we get older. (laughs) But um, we used to say that... um, and this place starts kind of like around 2 a.m. Yeah. is when they come over. And so, especially in the movie, I just like felt their, like George's exhaustion so hard. Oh my gosh. I was just like, I've totally been there when you come home from a party and you're just like so tired. And like the worst thing that anyone could say to you is, oh yeah, people are coming over. You're like, what? And people were like not friends with, what's their name? I don't know their name. I think they do that, you know. We just met them. They're coming over now. Yeah. So it's very, uh, George is not into it, but you know, the young couple comes over and right off the bat, Martha's like belittling George. They're really like sassy and mean to each other. And it's just like so uncomfortable. You like feel it. Uh, as you're watching it. Right. But it's not clear, like, what they're fighting about. Yeah. Like, they're not fighting about anything specific. No. It's just specific, not pacific, specific. Specific. It's yeah. just, like, they're just kind of biting at each other. Yeah. And, like, Nick and Honey are like, oh, should we leave? This is uncomfy. Um, But then they just, like, kind of keep drinking. Yeah. And that's their mistake. They, they should have left they, five minutes in. Yeah. But instead, they have to sit through a two-hour play. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so... I don't know, like kind of chaos ensues and like they keep each of them keep revealing something about like their relationship or right. as it goes on. Um, and so there's like this idea of games um, that George keeps bringing up where like, it's like life is a game almost like they can just say whatever they want, you know, and like this new couple will believe whatever they tell them. Right. It's really unclear when George is telling the truth mm-hmm. and when he's not. Yeah. Same with Martha, I guess. Yeah. Not, probably not as much, but George is like a liar. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Martha is too. Like, oh, what was like the first kind of game that he called it? It was like... Get the guests? No, that was That's... the second game. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, yeah, one of the games, like, he calls and has this whole monologue. It's called Get the Guest. And it's, like, get the guest, like, upset and emotional and use things that they've, like, opened up with through the night, like, against them. Right. It's, like, so toxic and, like, crazy because he'll, like, um, 
So he knew that Honey had like a hysterical pregnancy because Nick opened up to him about that. And that's why Nick married Honey. And so he constructs this like whole story that Honey kind of like trapped Nick in marriage through this hysterical pregnancy. And Honey is like horrified that Nick told this couple they just met about that. Um, You know, because it's like a very personal thing in their relationship. And I'm sure she feels insecure. Like... They he literally married her because he thought she was pregnant and then she wasn't. No, she did it on purpose. She was lying to him. So you that think? she he would marry her. That's well, how what do you I know got. That? I don't I, I don't know that. But to to say I, I did not get the feeling that honey was totally innocent in that. I felt like she, she did it on purpose. She just seemed so sweet. Well yeah, that's her that's her mask she puts on. Wow. I that's what I got from it. That I mean, she was purposefully lying so that he could, she could trap him in a marriage. Because he's, like, this successful, good-looking, strong... Yeah. You know. Wow. Smart biologist. <laughs> yeah. Um, dang. Yeah, so, like, everyone's kind of, like, bad in their own ways. And so then Nick feels trapped in that marriage, I guess. So then he's, like into Martha because she changes at one point and has like very lots of cleavage showing sure and so then they hook up midway through the night which I couldn't tell if they actually had sex if he was able to or if he wasn't no he wasn't he was too drunk but then at one point they were like are you a houseboy or not and he was like tell him I'm not a houseboy you know because like houseboy was like no sex I think he was just trying to protect his own masculinity. Mm. You know, that's kind of what I got. It was like... So then she decided to in that moment. I think she lied. Yeah, she... I mean, it was... She, yeah. Again, she was lying to George. Wow. Yeah. Martha was lying Martha to was. Yeah. And so, yeah, even when that happens, like, it shows kind of the two responses to it. Because both Honey and, like, George know that that's happening. Honey keeps saying... I don't want to know, you know, like go yeah, look she at turns your... a blind eye to it. Yeah. She's like, don't tell me. I don't want to know. It's right. fine. Everything's fine. Right. I mean, she's like drunk off like crazy she's funny. at this point. Yeah. She's hilarious. I would love to play her. Um, and then George. I was say, we're, 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 we're perfect for these roles. I know. Truly. Of course, I'm not blonde. Yeah. You'd have to. I'd have to go blonde. Or... I'd have to go blonde. I can't even imagine you as a blonde. That'd be so weird. It'd actually be terrible. I would hate that. I yeah. think. Um, but then George, d- like, chooses to actively, like, get revenge. So that was kind of a cool like writing where you see like opposite ends of the spectrum. Of what what spectrum? Like the response to like the, oh, them cheating. Okay. Basically. Sure. sure. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And so at the end, the last game is like baby. So I forget what the full name of it is, but I, I can't remember the names of his games, Um, but it's something about a baby. And so basically they confess like they're talking about like this son. He, the whole through the whole play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That they have a son. His birthday's tomorrow. Mark, George and Martha have a son, a 16 year old son. His birthday's tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, they keep kind of bringing it up and kind of keep hinting at it. And the whole time you're like, "Mm, something's off. You know, it's like three in the morning. Like, if he's really 16, like, why isn't he home? You know, it's like, what's going on? I kind of was like, I was like, well, he must be away at like boarding school or something. 
Yeah, but I was like. But I was also got the vibe. I was like, there's no son. Yeah. Or like, or like kind of a buried child moment. Like he's been dead a long time. Buried him in the back. Well, that's yeah. what I thought. Like he died when he was like an infant or something. Right. But no, it was like they were infertile. So they came up with this game that they like had a, a son. son. And so they would, but you can't like mention the sun or something. Like only they could talk about it. And since Martha mentioned it, then she broke George, the rule. yeah, she broke the rule. So then George killed the sun, and they can never talk about it again. Or have that kind of link between. Them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had to look it up and like have it explained to me. That I, was truly I, yeah, so wild. I, I thought he actually murdered someone because it's hinted at he's a murderer who killed his parents. But he's also a liar. He You can't trust anything he says. I don't know. It was so he crazy. He tells this story. So he tells this story about to Nick. George tells the story to Nick about his friend in high school who, um, who had accidentally shot his mom with a shotgun. And, um, and then had later was driving with his dad. And then the, the friend crashed into a tree and um and killed his dad and the, the dad was killed in the car accident like and he then, survived it yeah yeah the friend survived yeah, yeah. and then later it's and the hinted friend went at, to the asylum right too and like after that because he went crazy because he killed both his parents yeah and then it's like suggested later that george was actually the guy he was telling the story about because he wrote a book and presented it and wanted it to be published by Martha's dad. And Martha's dad is like, this is really messed up. I'm not going to publish this. And he was like, no, but it happened to me. You should publish, you know, like right. people have to know like my story or something. And the dad's like, no. And so no, no one wants to read this. Right. And so then you're like, is he a murderer? Did he accidentally kill his parents? Is that even real? I know. Is he I just, just trying like, to be significant? Like, Yeah. You know, I spent the whole movie just wondering. I was like, what am I supposed to be getting from this? I don't think I liked it. Interesting. I was just like. I was I, so stressed out. I was extremely stressed out at the beginning and for the first probably 30, maybe 40 minutes. Yeah. And then after that, I was just like. Can we like get on with this? Like I don't know. Like it's not the kind of play that I typically enjoy. Mm. Um. So I don't. I. I'm. I mean, like I think the acting was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, performances were great. You know, it was just like this. I just. I. I go into these kind of plays. And I just come out of them and I'm just like, I'm st- I'm too stupid to get this. No, I don't think it's too stupid. It's like, but there's so much to take away that you kind of have to kind of pick one thing and like really meditate on it. You know, like what could it mean? Because I think it could mean a lots of things. Right. It's definitely not like, this is, this is a play that is not a form of like entertainment. It is meant to be like, thought about and written about and, and, and literary criticism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If, I mean, it felt like, like a great work of American for, theater. Right. If I'm looking for an enjoyable night at the theater, I'm not going to go to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> I, 
I liked it. I did. It was just, I think the pace of it was so uh, good, but it was also like so stressful. There was no point to relax in it where you could really think about it in it because it just like suspended you and they're constantly biting at each other or something's constantly happening and you're like, where is this going? How does this end? You know? Yeah. Um, I will the, say the because- ending didn't feel like very satisfying. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted because because again, like they're all liars. And like that's part of the point is like they all put on masks for each other and um uh they you're never really quite sure like what are these people actually like? Yeah. And what and when do they when are they telling the truth and when do they not? Like ah gosh. Like even Nick like talking about um his father-in-law and how he was like this uh this 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 very rich and successful um preacher i was just like is that the truth like i don't like i like there's nothing to show me like that like he's like even remotely telling the truth i think there has to be some truth in it i don't think because then it's like well what's the point i think the point is would then the point would be like I don't know, like, like, you can't, like, trust people, like, who they are. Like, you can't, you can't trust who, um, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't do it for me. I gotta, like, read, I had to, like, read more about it and stuff, and, and even the, even the stuff that I read about it, I was just like, eh, like, this isn't. I don't know this it doesn't feel it didn't feel like that significant to me I just and it's like pretty absurd in the way that like the characters talk and all that kind of stuff and just like absurdism is not not this is like this is not like true absurdism but it just didn't feel it just it didn't feel good well I don't think it's supposed to feel good no no but it didn't feel yeah, you're right. So, like, satisfying. I don't feel like I got anything from it. I think it's, like, the only reason the ending wasn't as satisfying to me was, like, they're so dramatic, kind of the whole show. And then the ending, I think, like, it was supposed to feel like this big moment where, like, the sun doesn't exist at all. Um, and I don't know. But then I kind of had to, like, look up because it was, like, wait did he murder him? You know, like I was still kind of confused. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that I was just kind of some expecting some like really, really explosive moment. Um, and that didn't really happen, but I still think there's, um, quite a bit to take from it. I mean, it's interesting, like, the dynamic between, like, the young couple and the older couple. And you think, like, the young couple really has it all together. When in truth, like, they're almost more lost than the older couple. Because at least there's, like, George and Martha are so terrible to each other. Um, but at least they they know who each other, like, are. Like, Martha has that whole monologue that, like... The only person I've ever loved is George. And Nick is like, seriously? Because you've been treating him like terrible all night. Yeah. 
And Martha's like, no, he's the only one who, like, understands, like, the game and keeps up with me even when I change the rules. Like, every aspect of me, like, he gets and, like, keeps up with. Yeah. And they see each other for who they are. Right? Right. And so, and I think with the younger couple, they don't see each other for, like, who they are. They kind of just keep it surface. And that's why it's, like, there's unsatisfaction there. Like, we find out, like, Honey is, like, I don't know, trying not to have a baby and, like, keeping that from Nick. Wait, what? Remember outside when, like, you know, they're upstairs having an affair or something. And then yeah. outside with George and Honey. And she, he's, like, what are you doing taking, like, pills to, like, keep yourself from, like, having a baby? Because she's, like, I don't want a baby. I don't want children. And he's, right. like, that's it. What do you do? Do you take pills? Have you, Does Nick know about this? Like, all this stuff. And I thought he was going to bring it and use it against them later, but he didn't. And so then oh. when she's, like, telling the story about the baby, um, when Martha's, like, romanticizing this fake child they have, she's, like, I want a baby, you know. Huh. That was like a weird change of heart. But like, so even Nick and Honey, even though they seem like a sweet young couple, they're even keeping a lot from each other. And so, I don't know. There's like a game in that where I feel like he's trying to say, like Albie is like, yeah, they might be awful, but like also we have to kind of see each other where we're at in life to like, I don't know. But they're they're not, like, moving forward. That's the hard thing. It's, like, they're not making each other better. They're just, like, being terrible to each other. Sure. So that's the hard part that I, like, wrestle with of, like, the point. Right. Because I can kind of see it, but it feels very, like, dark and cynical and not hopeful. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I don't know if Albie is, yeah, Albie's not really known, I guess, for his, his uplifting stories. Yeah. So it was like, it's a very intense like watch and I don't know, I've always heard of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and I really didn't know what it was about. Um, I like, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, I'm glad I, yeah, I'm glad I watched it finally. I would love to like work on it, I think. Like as an actor, I think you get a lot out of it. And it's like yeah. a great question to reflect on is like at the end they keep asking like truth or illusion. Right? Or it's a, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that's that. truly, like, the root of it all. Of, like, is this all just an illusion? You know? Like, the, 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 the fronts that we put up? Yeah. Is yeah. life just an illusion, or... Are we living in the Matrix? Is there truth in it? Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry I put you through it. No, it's okay. No, no, you didn't put me through it. Albie put me through it. Oh, I'm sorry. I put you through it. I uh, just uh, no. It's no. It's I, I. I. Just like the themes, just like didn't really resonate with me at all. Um, That's fair. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like another cynical play. And I didn't like I the 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 part that. The, what I enjoy about movies and plays and stuff is just like I love good stories, and this just like didn't capture me. Like I love good stories about like I don't know 
fascinating people and I like um you know like I like mounting tension and all that kind of stuff you know this just like didn't have that for me and it was more about just like you know I was like reading about it a little bit afterwards and they're like yeah it's like a criticism of or it's like it's like a criticism of like well one the American dream and how um how you know success if you're not if you're not like successful in life um then you feel like you're a, like like a failure like george is like not a successful um man you know he's a he was trying to be the head of the english department or no the history department um but he like failed in that and so and so nick kind of represents like everything that george wasn't able to accomplish i guess and i was just like eh like i guess like i don't know so it's it wasn't and maybe we feel this way because like like when was like death of a salesman written uh around the same time if not a little earlier yeah so it was written earlier so i almost feel like this was a combination of a lot of different plays we've like studied and like are more familiar with so me watching it i almost felt like yeah i've seen this kind of thing before it felt like a mixture of like yeah long day's journey into night definitely got with, that vibe <laughs> mixed with depth of a salesman mixed with like waiting for god yeah just kind of like all of it yeah and i was just like yeah okay you know i don't know i think i get what you're saying we're like it's more of just, like, amusing. You know, it's really just about, like... It was not amusing. No. Uh, like, sorry. I meant, like, a thought. It's just, oh, like... Oh, amusing. It's oh, just... like, <laughs> like a noun. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, That's okay, probably okay. not the way to use it. But it's, like, who's afraid of living life without false illusions? You know? That's kind of, like, the whole, like, big question of it. Are we afraid of living life without false illusions? Yeah are the the illusions that we make for ourselves they're a comfort to us yeah because you can go through life and you can ignore a lot of the terrible things around you that's like gone wrong right and like hide them can, from people right yeah and you can pretend like they never happened mm-hmm. with other people yeah so well, are you afraid if they found out if you said everything you thought if you i mean i certainly am yeah. So that's kind of what Albie's asking. Could you do it? Or are to we live all... life without illusion? Yeah. Or are we all caught in this kind of vibe? Where we're just trying to hide from other people. We let certain people in, but even do we all the way? Was there right. always an illusion? Can anybody really ever know someone? Stop it. Will knows. So this is like a real fear of mine that like Will is like secretly evil or something. Yeah, you have that like, yeah, you, you've talked about this to me before and I. I don't get it. I don't know where it stems from, but like he'll joke like that he's like not who he says he is. And That's get, not true. I when have I done afraid. that? When you get all spooky and like different and weird to be funny. No. And well, I get only, very I, I play, afraid. Yeah, because I, I play off of I, the fear. <laughs> I, 
So maybe that's like my like deep fear Your I have. Deep fear is that I'm not who I say I am. Yeah. That I'm a psychopath. Yeah. It's a good fear to have. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. I hate it. I hate it. I'm I hate sorry, it. sorry, 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 sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that's the essential question. And I think it's a good reminder, like, as human beings, because, like, it's hard. I mean, being open, so open all the time is, like, exhausting slash, you know, sometimes you feel like a terrible person for the thoughts you feel. So then you're like, I shouldn't think that way. I need to do better. You know, like, is it productive right. to tell everyone how you're feeling all the time? Yeah. I don't think I so. Get, no. And but I also get frustrated when I sense that someone's not like letting me in. Mm. And then they're just like holding back. At them right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> me. What? Are you talking about me? No. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I mean like I definitely get frustrated with that cuz like I want like like am, like I'm not great at like opening up to people. What? I'm not. You? I know. I know. But that's why it's, like, so frustrating when, like, somebody's not opening up to me, I guess, because it's, like... I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying my hardest over here. Yeah. And you're not giving me anything. Yeah. You know? I gotta be honest with you. I don't think I'm, like, I know you might think I'm good at opening up to people, but I don't think I really am. Really? I let, like, very few people, like, really totally in to me. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, like, I present these, like, fronts to people I feel. And I don't know why I do it. It's, like, this automatic thing. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. Because sometimes I'll be, like, I'll say something. Or even, like, in public... Like, even last night, we're, like, hanging with our friends, and, like, you did something. And it wasn't even, like, that annoying, but I, like, I, like, got so, like, Will, what are you doing? You know, like, kind of aggressive towards you a little bit. Yeah. And I was, like, why did I was just do Was it Mario Party? Well, Will was a nightmare during Mario Party, so I'm pretty sure it was that. But, I'm, I, you know, I got, like, so, like, oh, I should be hurt in this situation because he's being like this. But I'm, like, I really don't feel that way. But yet I'm saying these things. Huh. Why am I doing that? I don't know. So sometimes, like, these false illusions or false, like, pretenses that we present to the world, I feel like they are kind of, like, automatic. I don't know whether it's society has trained us through our upbringing has trained us or something where we – it's hard to fight against hiding behind. Yeah. It feels like a survival mechanism. Right. I don't know. Yeah, because if you were open with completely open with everyone all the time, it would be silly. Well, it's also scary because people take advantage of that. Right. Like, I've been burned like, by people who knew me too well. Sure. And then, like, I've gotten really hurt, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm like, no. Right. Yeah. But, like, I guess that's why I'm like, why would you, like, that's a good, that's, that's, that's a much better, I think, yeah, like, message than I was kind of reading about. But it's like Albie like probably wasn't above that. Maybe he was frustrated with himself that he was hide would hide behind things. Yeah. I you mean know? he grew like well, something about his personal life was like he was gay. Okay. But he didn't want to be known as gay. Sure. So he was like very, very private about it. So that's like 
I feel like maybe a thing. Yeah. Where like he didn't want people to hold it against him because that time period he didn't want to be seen and restricted by his sexuality, right? So he kind of hid and went away from it. Yeah. And wasn't like an activist for like that community at all. Like, oh, okay. And so I don't know if it's something writing in that too. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. So I don't think he's like a. He probably did struggle with it. And he noticed other people like would do it. And it's kind of just like him thinking out loud. He, him being a Virginia Wolf about that kind of topic. Who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Me. Edward Albee. <laughs> Yeah. He probably was. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'd love, I should have like, like, I should have, I should have like listened to, I I should have like found an interview with him or something about it. Yeah. Oh, well. No, I feel like we got to a good. Yeah. Sorry. It took like 30 minutes for us to finally have like a formed thought. No, it's okay. It's just. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I guess like, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, after this conversation. I feel a little bit better about it. Okay. Play. See, I feel like it's just like it's one of those works of theater you really have to like talk through maybe I'll to g- get something out true. of it. True. And maybe I'll go back to it in five years and I'll get more out of it. Yeah. Well, because yeah. I even saw like within our marriage, like the dynamic between us. Yeah. You know, some of the things, what the way they were treating each other at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh. I don't want to become that, you know? Mm. And sometimes where I'm like, if I like get on you about the smallest stuff, which I do sometimes, it felt like reflected in Martha. And I was like, oh gosh. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. A little bit holding up a mirror, you know? Right. Yeah. Or like when she was cleaning up before Nick and Honey got there. Yeah. She was like putting stuff under the blankets and things like that. Yeah. She put a, she put a dirty dish in a drawer. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. Relatable. No, it's not. We've been doing better. No, we have been doing better. Even Will was making fun of me. I had to finish doing dishes before we could start this. Cause... I wasn't making fun of you. I just offered to do it. I was like, I can do that later. <sighs> I couldn't let it rest. I mean, it was like the rest of the area was clean, you know? Anyways. Um, Anyways. I don't think I have any more thoughts at this time. I think it would be smart of us to come back to this play like five years from now. Yeah, maybe if we're still doing this podcast, we could have a second episode. Yeah, because... Of course, I'd like to see it live. Oh my gosh, yeah. I would love to work on it. I would love to see it live. I would love to play like Honey and Martha throughout my life at some point. Like, Do you think they could ever do it in repertoire where one night the couple plays Nick, Honey, and then the actors switch? No. You don't think so? It has to be like considerably older couple with younger. Oh, I know that would be the, the joke. Effect. That would be the that would be like the thing. I don't think it'd work. Really? Yeah. It would be definitely be interesting. And we're like, I'm just like, I'm just like, dang it, we're the right ages for Nick and Honey right now. I know. I was like, should we do it? And then I was like, I don't know older I don't, actors. I don't know anybody. Yeah, anybody <laughs> who could who could take on those roles of Martha and George. Yeah, I think that's probably why like. It is still produced, obviously, but, like, not as much because it is such, like, a hard I mean, those are monster master. roles. Yeah. 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 Insane. Crazy. Because, like, it's almost, like, Shakespearean in language. And I a say bit, that yeah. where it's, like, you have to – obviously, you have to fully understand what you're saying as an actor. 
And some plays, it's easier to understand. This play is not one of them. No. Like, the subtext is so there where even, like, us watching, I was, like, trying to keep up of, like, okay, what are they actually talking yeah, about? Yeah, and if you're George and, like, you know, it's, like, you've got to decide as an actor, like, okay, is this the truth, what I'm saying right now, or am I making this up? Right. You know, like, the playwright really doesn't give you, I feel like, that much. Yeah. So, it'd be so good for like a table work session and yeah. going slowly through because it is you have to make decisions and i and i love that kind of work you know that's such a gift that lb gave for his actors right um because you get such like control over the role right ownership um yeah would you say this is closer to a work of realism or absurdism where does it lie on the spectrum Like if you had one side of the spectrum is um, waiting for Gatto, like total absurdism. Yeah. But then on the other side is, I don't know, what's a, a realism play? Picnic. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. You know, where, where does it lie? Mm. Closer, closer to which end? I feel like in the middle, a little closer towards Picnic. Yeah, okay. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel super absurdist. Like, I believe that kind of relationship could even exist. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, it's so toxic, but, like, it's still so real of just, you know, if you've been together long enough, you've suffered together long enough. Sure. You're at your wit's end. Yeah. Alcohol's in the mix. Like, give me a break. And right. you're intellectuals. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, but it still feels a little bit not as like realistic or naturalism, like as, right? you know, um, but yeah, wow. It's a monster. It is a monster. I do. I mean, like I get and they're feeling drinking alcohol the entire, the entire time. time. I just was like, I was like getting sick. Yeah. Well, they were like, we're in our forties. And I was just reflecting after I was like, they looked so much older than their forties. But I was like, you know what? If you're like drinking that much all the time, you would look. You older. would look older, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how old Richard Burton was when in this when when this movie was. Produced. Oh, I bet he was like sixties. You think? Yeah. Yeah, he looked pretty old. Yeah. So did Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was like. Pfft. I said I was like I always get Elizabeth Taylor and Audrey Hepburn mixed up. It's just because they have black hair and green eyes. Probably. Or, something. or I think Audrey has brown. But I love them, and she was so good. I was also thinking Did that, Did she like, win the Oscar? She must have. She has to have. I'm going to look it up. But um, I just love, like, back in the day, and even, like, black and white films. Like, their acting, it felt... And kind of like we said at the beginning of this podcast, um, it did feel like you were watching a play. Yeah. And she was such a good, like... Oh, she was great. She Holy was cow. so good. Yeah. And he was great, too. Like, their stillness, but their chaos, like, all of it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, that was, like, what was so amazing. And I was like, was a lot of old movies, they just feel like plays. <laughs> sure. I think I want to watch, like, even more old movies and see if my theory is correct. What was oh, I looking up? You were looking up if what oscars it won i know it was nominated for like oh, okay. 13 oscars 
and I'm pretty sure. Oh my it gosh, won, really? It, yeah, it won five, I think. Uh, but I don't. I didn't see which ones. Oscars. Um. Won, winner. So it won. Only Elizabeth Taylor, and Sandy Dennis won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. So our women really won awards, which. I support, like, Sandy Dennis. She was, like, so funny. She was hilarious. I mean, that role is, like, the smallest one of yeah. the four. But she was, like, very memorable. Yes. And made it. She had such, like, ownership over Her it. good. She had great comic timing. Yeah. So what? Anything else at one? Mm. I'm so sorry. This is taking... A second. Um, so it won Best Actress, Best Actress in a Supporting Role and Lead Role, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Black and White, etc., and huh. Best Costume Design. Huh. But it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actor, a Supporting Role. Like, all of the actors were nominated. Right. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Writing, um, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Music. Wow. Yeah. So... It was, like, I mean, the fact that it's, like, preserved in, like, the Library of Congress, like, I can't get over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to cast the freaking play? Let's cast the freaking play. Cue theme music. Cast the freaking play. Okay. So, oh, don't look at my view. Sorry. Cheater. I'm going to start with, I I didn't see it. I'm just kidding. Um, Do you want to start with Honey? Honey. Okay. Anya Taylor-Joy. Very good. Very Thank good. you. She's too good. Interesting. No, I don't know. Okay. Who's yours? Lily Collins. I win. What? I win. Why? She's Anya Taylor-Joy is a better actor than Lily Collins. Yeah, but you don't need to be a great actor for Honey. Uh, I mean, it helps. <laughs> I think... I want to see Anya Taylor-Joy be Martha in, when she's older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. But I feel like there's an absurdist quality to Anya more so than Lily. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Agree to disagree. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I No, I'll, I'll give it to you. Thank sure. you. Sure. Nick. Josh Hutcherson. Is that the boy from Hunger Games? Yeah. Wait, which one? The Peter, Peter Malak. Peter Malak. Um, interesting. Okay. He's not, I don't know. I want, like, you know who I want is Robert, a young Robert Redford is who I want. Well, why didn't you say that? I don't Anything know. Are we, doing, are we doing to that? All right. Well, then I, I pick a young Robert Redford when he was 28. Oh, fudge. He's handsome. Yeah. Okay, I pick him. Okay. I chose Joe Keery. Stranger Things? Yeah. Hmm. He's too, like, indie film. That's fair. Young Robert Redford. Young Robert Redford. I support you. That's very good. Like, look at that. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's a good-looking dude. He's very handsome. Yeah. Um. Okay. George. Paul Giamatti. What? What? That's so funny. Who'd you pick? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. What? Tell me that's not. Too good looking. Well, okay. 
They can make any actor unattractive with the right hair and makeup. I guess. He can really have crazy eyes, you know. Yeah, I mean, he would he would be good. Yeah. He would be good. Paul Giamatti? Yeah. Oh, he'd, he'd kill it. Okay, maybe we have to cast Martha and Okay, for, yeah, yeah. Okay, for Martha, I chose Charlize Theron. What? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Did you see her in Monster? No. Let me show you. Oh my gosh. Who do you pick? Julia Louise Dreyfus. Ooh. Seinfeld, Elaine. Oh, oh. I mean, now she's 60. Yeah. Um, like, this is her in Monster. Okay. You know? Yeah. But then, like, her in real life. No, I mean, yeah. Beautiful. Oof. This is hard. We chose, like, very weird George and Martha's. Yeah. I, I'm not super happy with my Martha. I like my George much better. Okay. Let's go with my Martha, your George. Paul Giamatti and Charlize Theron. I think it could work. That's certainly an odd couple. I mean... She's out of his league. But you can make anyone unattractive. But also, like, True. Paul Giamatti... Charlize, Charlize, right... Charlize doesn't doesn't strike me as, like, a powerhouse actress. Oh, she's good. she is. She's good. I think she's fantastic. Okay. But, like, you chose... What is her name? I, I said I don't like my choice. You see her as a powerhouse no. actress? No, not really. So. So, I think, I don't, so we don't have much of a choice. Yeah. Okay. I think Charlie's. Kathy Bates. A young Kathy Bates. Who's that? Uh, She's in a lot of stuff. What is she in? I don't know. Miss Hannigan and Annie. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Okay. It's a weird cast. It's a weird show. We're not feeling too confident in it, but it's okay. All right. I love it. Um, well, let's move on to our four questions. Okay. Sounds good. What have you been watching that recently or reading? Um, so reading, I'm still reading Where the Crawdads Sing, and I love it. Nice. Um, and then for watching, we've started watching. Okay. So we told you last week we were starting season 11. Right. No. Station 11. Station 11. I did that even last week. So who am I? Uh, Station 11. This is a, we're in the matrix. Um, <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> everything's, it's all an illusion. Um, we watched Station 11. We were on the second episode and we were 10 minutes in and it was about like this theater group. And I just turned to Will and I was like, I can't do this. Like our whole lives are like yeah. teaching theater, working on theater. Doing this podcast. Doing this podcast. And it's just like. When I watch some like a show, I want it to be about something I don't have to think about all the time. Sure. You know? And I was like, Will, maybe in the summer when I'm not having to teach theater constantly, like, I would watch this because I do want to watch it. It's just uh-huh. now it's not the right time in my life. Yeah, I feel that. So we started watching Seinfeld, and I absolutely am obsessed. Confessions. I've never seen Seinfeld. Which feels just like blasphemy for me because I claim to like love television and then I haven't seen one of the most like iconic 
sitcoms like ever um and so we started it and i was just like this is amazing i love it so much jerry seinfeld so hot so great he's my new crush that's my crush jerry we're combining the two questions right now jerry seinfeld is my crush i love how his clothes fit him like i love his style on the show huh and i love it's just jeans and collar button-up collar shirt there's some Sometimes a sweater. I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes a sweater, yeah. He just looks so cute. And then he always, like, finds everything, like, so amusing. Yeah. And but I, he's also, like, very kind. That. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Kramer leaves his door open in, in the, one of the first episodes. Yeah. And, like, all of his stuff gets stolen. And he's like, And Jerry's uh, like, ah, don't worry about it. Like, it's, it was an accident. It's okay. And I'm like, and I was like, wow. what? Yeah. So, I don't know. He's my new crush. Great. It, it, and it's like Jerry during Seinfeld. It's not now. It's no him now is yeah. not as cute. No, not as endearing. Yeah. What about combination? What are you watching slash crush? Well, I thought of something that yeah 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 I can kind of I so when you you were gone and I and I watched Peacemaker the first episode, which is a spinoff series of the movie The Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. And it's starring John Cena as Peacemaker. And I watched the first episode, and it was really good. Um, definitely not your vibe. That's fine. Uh, but Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And my crush, but you should, everybody should watch the opening credits for it, because they're hilarious. It's so funny. It's like this really weird, absurd dance um dance routine that all the cast of characters do it's so funny uh and so that was my crush i was like that's opening credits opening credits of peacemaker nice yeah i love yeah. that yeah thanks Such a specific credit. hey you know <laughs> whatever you know. works yeah because after after i watched the episode i was like i gotta watch those opening credits again and it's on youtube you can just watch the that's so funny credits well sweet it's like very like kind of retro I just love that the whole cast, they just, like, got the whole cast and they just, like, did this did dance it. routine. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, none of them are, like, good dancers. Right. They're just, like, out there killing it, you know? I love that. Yeah, that's funny. All right. We should recreate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll show it to you later. Perfect. That's pretty silly. Do you feel hot today? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Why? Um. Oh, I just... I started counting my calories yesterday, <laughs> which is something like I've never done. Basic thing, I love it. It was like really weird, but it's like kind of fun. Why do you think it's fun? I just like, I just like, ooh, I ate something. I can log put it. it in my, I can log it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like trying to lose weight or anything. Well, it's just like accountability, so I don't just want to like eat a bunch of junk food. Because we started you know? working out. Like, we joined Planet Fitness last weekend. Yeah. And we were doing a really good job working out. And Will's amazing. And his body's so crazy. It just, like, automatically fluctuates when he works out, like, twice. It, like, starts getting visibly stronger. And I'm like, what? Anyways. Yeah. I digress. So, in the past, when we worked out, it's like, oh, now we can eat, like, way more. Yeah. I tend to get a little fatter in the face. Yeah. When we're, like, in the phase of working out. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it goes for you. Thanks. thanks. Yeah. And yeah, like, I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to, like, starve myself. No. But, like, it's, it hits you different when 
like I just ate a whole bag of Cheetos. Now I have to log it in. <laughs> I have to like They're write it know. down. And I'm like, ah, gosh, that, you know. Yeah. So it's like an accountability thing. It's just like. Stay healthy. Because like yeah. I was doing really well up until our friends came over last night and I just like ate a bunch of food, you know. Yeah, but and it like, wasn't I like had junk like, food. We had like Brussels like, sprouts and like I pasta. Had like, I had like 10 brownies. Oh, I mean, it wasn't 10, but it was a lot. I had a lot of brownies. <laughs> they were good. We made them from scratch. Yeah, they, they turned out good. well. Um, do I feel hot How today? Do, yeah, do you feel hot today? Sorry. Um, Yeah, I feel hot today. I mean, like, I don't know. We've just, this new year, it's just hit this new groove of life. Giving up social media has been, like, amazing. I offloaded TikTok earlier today. So now i You I'm... did TikTok? You offloaded TikTok? I know. Wow. Who well, I are, felt like I was watching she? it too much. And I don't know. I've just, like, kind of turned a new leaf of just, like, wanting to read, keeping a clean house. And, like, I just love, like, our routine in life. And so on the weekends, I'm living my best life. I love that. You know? I love the weekends. So, yeah, yeah I feel hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're both drinking less alcohol. Yeah, that's huge. Honestly, like, I love that, too. Because even we had... I went out drinking with a couple of friends slash co-workers on Friday on night. Um, and it was the first time I drank, like, in a while. And it was, like, you know, two or three drinks. And I felt so, like, gross... And I didn't even, like, feel, like, really, like, you know, tipsy when I was drinking. And so I was yeah. like, was this even, did it even feel worth it sure. to, like, have that much? Sure. And then, like, I felt crummy. And I was like, you know what? Alcohol's not, like, really worth it. Like, LaCroix is doing it for me at nights. Yeah, you need something kind of, when you get, <laughs> when you get home, I, I'm very convinced of this. Like, when you get home from work, you do need something fun to drink. Yeah. And, you know, and like a lot of times, like, you know, you drink a soda and it's like, that's not good for you. And it also has like a ton of caffeine or whatever. So right. It'll keep you up or whatever. But like LaCroix. Give me a break. I'm, I'm getting really old, but like. I love It's it. not bad. I know. We're aging. Yeah, we are. What's the last question? <sighs> oh, are you mad at me? Oh, are you mad at me? No. Good. Are, are you, you mad at me? No, I'm actually mad. <laughs> actually oh gosh kidding. um no and i'm not mad at you i'm not mad at sawyer or harvey they look so cute right now they're sleeping well sawyer's asleep on the bed with us and harvey's on a chair and it's just a very cuddly afternoon yeah so very loving in the right household our yeah. chateau yeah one of our friends last night anthony called our house his chateau and now i'm obsessed with that le chateau le chateau de right um great so yeah well great i hope you guys got something out of this podcast thank you for like listening and thinking through this wild play with us and trying to process it with us we greatly appreciate it i think it's important to watch uh challenging pieces yes challenging pieces and trying to dissect them so do watch who's afraid of virginia wolf just know it's gonna be uh heavy spoonful of a you lot. might you might you gotta sit in it for a little bit yeah you know yeah anyway. there's still a lot to dissect you know we're releasing this on martin luther king jr day shout out shout out to mlk to mlk jr yeah yeah thank you for 
your service and a day off. Yep. Cool. That's it. We um, love you. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. We love you and good night. <laughs>